Welcome to Making the Jump with Richard Olberger, PhD clinical psychologist and sports psychology, and me, Lorinda Phillips, master certified coach, as your co-host. So first, Richard. Thank you so much. So I'm a clinical psychologist who emphasizes sport, somatic, and cognitive approaches to help individuals channel their inner hero and bringing out their authentic story and rewriting their version of their lives. Uh, so when it comes to athletes going through transitions, we help them process what they've been through, where they've come from, and hopefully uncover and discover new and meaningful parts of themselves as they make the jump forward into the great unknown. And yet to trust all these amazing innate capacities which make them heroic in our eyes. Thank you, Richard. And as founder of uh, Retirement Sports, I uh, have worked for the past three years uh, to kind of coach the athletes into a successful what's next for them. And uh, then for the past 20 years, I've been coaching business owners uh, and teaching them strategies to be more profitable and uh, more joyful in their company. Our intention is to help the athlete, and Richard has spent much of the time doing this, whether current or former, in his or her transition and become the high achiever in life as they've been in their sport. Uh, and we know that is completely possible. And we give you in our podcast examples of how former players or current players have, have been going through the transition themselves. We hope to make our podcast in, entertaining, real, and relevant. Our guest today uh, is Shante. She's been a track and field athlete for almost 18 years. She's competed at the University of Nebraska, where she began competing in the heptathlon. The heptathlon, for all those of you not familiar with the numerological system, seven events in a, in a two-day period. Day one includes hurdles, high jump, shot put, and the 200-meter dash. Day two is composed of the long jump, javelin throw, and the 800-meter run. After graduating in 2011, she blew out her patellar tendon while competing in the long jump. After recovering for several months, she made the Olympic team in 2012. She now focuses on the javelin and will be going to Tokyo with the Games in 2021. <laughs> She's an Army wife, daughter, and a mother. She's motivated to positively influence more people than she has ever before. She has a long list of projects waiting. Great. So let's bring her in. Hello. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How are you guys? Oh, we are great. You're doing yeah. it all. I'm trying yeah. my oh, best. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So welcome to our podcast, Make You Jump. Um, we are all ready to go to ask our questions of you. And, right. Thanks um, for being here and making time. You probably yeah. got a couple of kids in Zoom school in the other room and <laughs> practicing an hour. I do I need to finish that part of my workout. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I hope you've got my message out so that we take a look. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. Right. <laughs> so, um, so tell us, the first question that comes to mind is, what does it take to compete? Seven events in two days. Um, so what does that take from you? My, kind of physically, but also mentally and maybe even spiritually. Yeah, I'd say um, mental aspect became a really big part of the entire training process. Because um, you're going out to practice every single day, training for two to three events, um, Monday through Saturday and then Sunday off. So you're trained for it. Um, 
Like you have the endurance to get through four events the first day and three events the next day. And then mentally, it's just going in and knowing that. So the first event's the hurdles. So for 13 seconds, you're a hurdler. And then 30 minutes, you're transitioning and you are a high jumper now. So it's not even looking at it as like you're a heptathlete. It's looking at it as you're that individual athlete for that time period. And then you got to mentally switch. And then also if you mess up or do great, you only have, this is one thing I loved learning from my coach was you only have five minutes to celebrate or pout, and then it's moving on and you're that next athlete, like I stated. So I, I grew so much as a heptathlete and I've carried that over into my training solely just for javelin now. And even my life aspects, like I will still like have an argument or something and I take five minutes and I'm moving on. <laughs> That's a great therapy strategy right there. Yeah. And as a mom, right? Like, yes. You could be yes. upset. Yes. <laughs> five minutes. That's it. Come back to me in five minutes. <laughs> Richard, I think that would be a great thing to yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It, 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 you know, I was just watching, um, you know, the playbook on Netflix, and uh, they had Jill Ellis, the coach of the women's national team for soccer, and and I thought one of the greatest takeaways was about like not getting too comfortable on the podium, or really being conscious that right, like you can you can be stepping down any minute. You have to really appreciate the gratitude of what it is mm -hmm. to get there, mm -hmm. and the humility that it must take because it's really hard to be the best in all those events. Mm. You may yeah. fail and then have to go and be ready to be the best five minutes right. later, yeah. 30 minutes later. Yeah, you don't want to get into your head too much or even notice like this girl over here just jumped way out the long jump pit and let them your own performance. It's definitely staying in your own zone and staying focused. Really so great. And now I, you were you were badly injured uh oh, yes. in 2011 and um what was the impact on that on, on you regarding that injury i believe that definitely made me stronger going into my professional career as an athlete i was able to go to pt every single day with my trainer who i met for the first day of pt and i just trusted him with everything for some reason and I trained with him every day for six weeks, or I mean, six months, I apologize, and then got on the track for four months. And I trusted my coach on the track and I just grew as an athlete. Um, I was present every single day with what it took to get better that day to build upon each week, each month, and ultimately get to the Olympic trials and the Olympics. Did you have a full plan, like a daily, weekly, monthly plan? Or um, did it just, I, was it a mental thing for you? I mean, I'm very fascinated how people recover, really. Um, I didn't, so I wasn't even focused on the Olympic trials coming out of 2011, um, the last competition I had. My coach, my um, college coach mentioned it. It's like, you want to do this? I was like, oh, sure, I can train another year. <laughs> so. I wasn't really focused on the the long-term goal really per se. I was like, my injury happened and it was like, okay, how am I gonna get better and compete again? That was what it took every single day. And, and I couldn't run like in August, right? I was in a, my leg was locked out for at least 90 days, I believe. And so I was like, how am I gonna get better today? I can't do everything I've been doing for the past how many years of my life? I can't, I can't walk normal. So 
it was really just like backing up and doing what I what I could in that moment. So I learned so much. Yeah. So can you speak to that? Because right, it's so important to be mindful in the moment of recovery from an injury as an athlete. And yet to, to then allow yourself to recover and then set even higher, I don't know if you had the aspirations of Olympic four, maybe you did, but to allow them to become real and pursue them with the freedom and without the inhibition, what helped you get there emotionally? Um, it, was, it was knowing that I had nothing to lose ultimately, just I could so get better and then get to the Olympic trials like you said, I didn't have sights on the Olympics really growing up. It, I just kept getting better as an athlete. So just when I got there, it was, I had nothing, I had no standards that I had to live up to. It was like, you've been injured and not doing anything for the past. I mean, you've been trying to recover for the past nine months. So there's nothing to lose out here in this competition. And so in that meet, I PR'd five out of my seven events and it showed what I was ultimately capable of as an athlete to and then grow upon that mentally like okay this is how you got to the olympic trials and made the olympic team over those nine months like this is how you grew mentally you did this and this and this to stay in the moment and learn about yourself mentally physically and so that is a, that's actually the mind frame i go back to um and build upon like now to this day it's like okay you were you were in this state of mind so build upon that today, even though you have a child, a husband now, and you're, in a, you're like a real adult, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you still like get back to this mind frame and know how you went through every single day like that with these aspects added in. Don't worry, Shantae, my kids think I'm the biggest kid in the house, so you know, <laughs> could regress later on, don't worry. <laughs> oh, that's mm -hmm. great. So, and now you're a, you know, now your specialty is javelin, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. what um, did you, you know, how did you get there? Like, how did you go uh, from seven events, one event? What was the process? Um, 2016, I decided I was done with the heptathlon. I thought that I challenged myself enough and learned everything I wanted to within that event itself. So javelin was my best event out of the seven. And I wanted to continue learning in just that event. And it's still challenging me every single day. I learned so much just from a simple, like moving the javelin point from here to here, raising my hand a little bit higher on the backside. There's just so many technical aspects of javelin that I, I love, love, love learning every single day. <laughs> Oh, great. That's so great. And how often do you practice? I'm just curious about your practice. Right now I'm out five days a week. So Monday through Friday right now, which is when my coach first gave me that program, I was like, I don't have practice on, on Saturdays. He's like, no, I was like two days off in a row. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Is there all day that you practice? How, how many hours in, in a day? Um, I'd say I'm throwing for at least an hour. And then I have functional slash strength training um, along with that. That takes me between 20 minutes to another hour of my day right now. Yeah, so it's a tremendous amount of lower body strength, right? To be able to power. Yeah, it's, I, I'm finding out so many about like there's one athlete this works for them another athlete this works for them so yes it's being very powerful in your in your lower half and then 
having I, there's some athletes that are super strong up top and then there's others that are just don't look like they lift at all and <laughs> i i'm figuring out the balance that chante yeah. mcmillan needs yeah 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 good. <laughs> chante, it looks like you're you know you work out a bit on that top so. a little bit yeah <laughs> very, very good okay so um what uh i'd love to know a story that might stand out for you as an in as a um an athlete as an elite athlete uh whether it was in 11 you know before the injury whether it was after um you know your whatever story you've got that could make you know be of interest people who are listening um uh to Africa. um so i guess my a good story i'd, I'd say is coming out of 20 so 2016 i'm training for the olympic trials i obviously make it to the olympic trials i'm competing my heart out there as a heptathlete and I'm doing well. Um, day one, I did not throw what I usually throw in shot put. So ultimately, looking back, I think that's what kind of threw my whole score off and may or may not have been the reason I didn't make that team that year. So I got fifth at the trials, um, but I walked away very proud. I had my PR in the heptathlon, 63.26 points, and I was fine. I was smiling, leaving there. Like, like I said, very proud. And then my coach hugged me and he whispered in my ear, like my dad would have been proud because my dad passed away in 2015. And then I just started breaking. I just broke down in tears and people probably saw me and were thought I was crying because I didn't make the team, but I was so proud. And I, I knew my coach was right in that moment as well. Just saying that my dad would have been proud. And it was, it was such a great meet and and another test of my strength and my coaches help right there with me to see what I could do as a heptathlete. And, and he also stated that in the 800, he didn't know if I would finish hard. He stated to this, stated this to me afterwards. And I was like, I know I, I, I didn't know either, <laughs> but he was like, but you did, you gave it all in the 800. You, you didn't throw the towel in knowing that you wouldn't make the team. You, you have that little bit of hope still, and that's how I PR. So yeah, that's that's the last event of the, of of the seven, right? Yeah, it is. Yes, and eight hundred meters hello. <laughs> it's not easy to sprint two laps. Yeah. <laughs> and it's oh, a beautiful my. metaphor, right, for motivation, because so often, right, at home we focus on the results, you focus on the top three, and obviously when you dream of the Olympics, but for motivation to focus on how amazing you did, to focus on like how much energy and how much growth and how much, how fully present you are to give everything to that moment. We then have more room to grow and give from there. If we focus on the loss, it's like, what what's wrong? What, you know, like it, it can really cause us, it's more pain and more suffering as an athlete rather than being like, no, I finished winning and I'm that close, right? right. It gives and you more inspiration. Yeah, that's the same mentality I have now as a javelin athlete. It's just me wanting to expend all my athletic ability and be the best javelin athlete that I can be. And that's going to mean so much at the end of this whole journey. You know, the other thing that I heard is when you broke down and cried over, you know, what the coach said about your father being proud, right? So it, it seems like, uh, you know, just more lessons that 
right we're, we're focusing on like the athlete's journey and it continues even if sport continues throughout your life and who knows maybe you're part of a few olympic teams at some point you do more with your life and there is more to you and the relationships that the people that loved us care for us and inspired us and grief is part of an athlete's journey both when they have to transition out uh or when they lose relationships or teammates so you know, that's so important that there was space for that. Yeah. Was your dad, was he at all your events? Was he a big part of your athletic oh, career? Yes, I'm an only child. So both oh. my parents were at every single track meet. They lived six hours away when I was in college, but they drove to every home meet and were at most every away meet as well. Every big meet for sure. They were there. I, I remember- So what was, um, meets were on Saturdays, right? Friday, Saturdays, yep. Friday, Saturdays. So, so what was it? Was there a special treat? Was there something on, on the on the journey there and back that you and your family did um, oh, no. growing up? Um, there's this little place in, in Missouri that we'd stop and get ice cream at. <laughs> yes. You're a wife, a daughter, a mother, uh, an army wife, a, a daughter, mother. And um, I wanted to know how you manage that. How do you compartmentalize? Whatever, I don't want to put words. It's so how do you manage that? Yeah, it was very hard to adjust to, but I'm I'm very good at having a lot on my plate at one time. I, I like to live that way. <laughs> so right. I, I'd say I did have to back up and look at it all from the outside and know that I was getting onto my husband's schedule more so than taking care of my own my own goals. So for him, he's becoming a helicopter pilot right now. That's really big. And he was in school from like 7 a.m. to like five at night. So it was me saying like, okay, what am I gonna do to make sure that my training does not be, it's not affected by this. So we have a son, of course, that I'm the caretaker of him and we have no family by us. So what am I gonna do? So it's hiring a babysitter, get my workout in, adjust going to workouts after he gets home and then coming home and cooking dinner. It's just so much to juggle, but it's always revamping our schedule pretty much um Sundays is what that's what we do and figuring it out. Yeah. 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 And how how does that impact your sport and you? How does that impact? Um I I become very unhappy if I do not um see my day as fulfilling my goal if I didn't get closer to my goal and it shows very much so <laughs> um <laughs> ask my husband Good for you <laughs> so what are the so, musts you need you need at least one or two workouts in a day five days a week or six days I mean my workout is a must every day my workout has to be done and no no matter what time it is it's just if it has to be part like um broken up into different parts of the day then that's how i do it but yeah and then more importantly like the throws days if i'm going to neglect a day then it's going to be like a running day and i can make it up another day but i need to get my throws the reps in those are very important so not neglecting that Got it. Great. Good. Congratulations. How about uh, food prep and shopping? How do you handle that? You do it together on Sundays? Um, I kind of just go when there's time. <laughs> I I don't, I'm not a big food prepper. I just like to cook when I cook and have enough that there's leftovers for lunch and continue that every so often. I really do enjoy cooking for everyone. Now, what has your uh, son taught you? Oh my gosh, patience. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Okay. That carries over into my sport. I am out there throwing. I'm like, all right, that was a bad throw, like three bad throws in a row, but be patient. And it, it's carrying over very well. <laughs> really great. That's fantastic. What did you learn from your husband? Organization, organize, organizing my our schedules, like I stated, and then organizing my own life. I'm a big note taker. I have everything I have to get done that day written out every single day and organizing his life with mine, making sure I don't have to tell him things to do, but he gets things done. If you'd like to listen more, please click on the link for Making the Jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings. This is Richard Listens, and I'm out.